Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. Australia is lucky to have some pretty impressive looking buildings, new and old. If you ever go to Brisbane, be sure to check out the conservatory at the Tattersalls Club or the restaurant Vicky Italian on Southbank. Why? Well, you'll see the impressive work done by award-winning interior designer Angela Spillane. In 2019, Angela started her own company, Studio Spillane, where she and her team design a wide range of commercial interiors from restaurants to airports. You'll hear what guides her, that is, working alongside her clients to drive sustainability. If you're running your own business... Angela's a source of inspiration. Hi, Angela. Welcome to Tea with the Queen. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Before you started your interior design business, you had 20 years working with commercial architectural firms. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I worked for most of that time in one company, a local company in Brisbane, reasonably sized. It was great, great opportunity. Um, kind of a big team of really smart, really talented, kind of creative people all of the time. So I spent my formative years learning from the best in the business. Amazing. And you won a few awards, yeah? Yes. I was lucky. Well, we won a few awards. I was lucky enough to work on teams and pro- and within uh, within teams and on projects where we did win quite a lot of awards through those years. And yeah, our buildings, interiors, they go up with a lot of people. So there are a lot of people involved in those projects, but we, um, we made some amazing spaces. So it sounds amazing. What made you take the leap and start your own business? That's not an easy thing to do. No, look, I'd, I'd worked for a long time in great companies and I guess I, in a way I kind of got into a senior leadership and I really enjoyed building teams and working in teams and kind of the, the, I guess, the mentorship part of that leadership journey. However, I got to a point where I felt like big business wasn't really for me. It wasn't where my passion was in terms of kind of creating that much, much bigger profile, maybe is the word. And I really wanted to see what small business was like. I like working in projects and on projects and I like working amongst the team and mentoring people and and that kind of really hands-on way of being. And I could just feel my career trajectory taking me in a direction that was much more business-focused and much less kind of project teams people-focused. And that's really where I wanted to be. So I felt the best way to do that was to just see if it was possible to do it myself. And look at you now. I mean, you started in 2019 
not knowing what was going to hit us big time a year later, six months was it? Was it six yeah. months later? Wowzers. How did COVID affect your new business? Everything stopped. So we work in um, a lot of hospitality, retail and airport aviation environments and all of those were the sectors that were immediately impacted. So I think I had, I think actually every single one of my projects stopped, got put on hold on the same day, whatever date that was on that 20th of March or whatever that was, 2020. Yes, yeah. But it was weirdly lucky timing. So on reflection, so at the time it wasn't, didn't feel great didn't feel so hot but on reflection if I had of on the 20th of March 2020 been working within a bigger business I probably would have stayed there for the next couple of years and so I probably would have missed this opportunity that I've had to start a business and maybe maybe right now I'd be looking at it instead of when I did also at the time I was working with some contractors and I had one casual staff member she'd just had a baby and was uh still at finishing her final year of university. So I didn't feel like I was letting staff down by having to let people go because I hadn't quite, I was just about to make the leap to start building the business. I was right on that threshold. And so the timing was kind of weirdly good because I only really had myself mostly to worry about. And my staff member that I did have went off and finished her degree while she still had a tiny baby and then by the time she finished her degree was about when the projects were starting to come back so we were able to kind of start from scratch again and then in those few months in between and I think the the business built probably much slower than it would have otherwise during the tail end of COVID and it meant that I kind of learned how to do business I had time to build a website I had time to build my accounting platform properly I had time to think about a few things and it didn't get hit as quickly as I might have otherwise. So I don't know, for me personally, it was awful. The timing was awful. Everything about it was just so bad for everybody. But I don't think I fully lost. I think I I squeezed in the middle somehow, luckily, and I just had to somehow deal with uh, not having an income for a few months, which I think, you know, that's where we all were at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're pretty cool, calm and collected, Angela. So no, I'm not sure much <laughs> ruffles your feathers, but also the rest of Australia was in the same boat, right? Tell us, what do you do and what companies do you help? So we work across uh, hospitality, retail and aviation sectors. So I'm an interior designer. So an interior designer essentially is effectively the inside of a building, so the inside of the envelope. So we might work on restaurants or retail centres or airport terminals. We're doing a lot of airport terminals now in the um, COVID recovery that they're going through. Beautiful. It must be amazing to work on some old and established buildings and jazz them up. I'm thinking of one in particular. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, so we did. um, We've been working for the Tattersalls Club here in Brisbane over the last few years and we've been helping them relife part of that asset. So they're a heritage building that was built in the early 1920s, the first stage of it. And then through the 20th century, there was kind of multiple extensions to that, including some that was done in the 90s. And so we've been kind of slowly going through with them to uh, relice that building, particularly a restaurant that we put in last year in, in part of the 90s corner of the building. Part of that was also because historically Tattersalls was a gentleman's club as these business clubs were internationally. Uh, And so the building was built for that reason. 
and the building still felt like it was a men's club a little bit. And so we've helped them to let a bit more natural light in, to really play with the building, to create something that we believe extends the building's kind of personality from its history and doesn't look, we didn't completely go in and make it pink and frilly, but it does feel like a place that women can feel welcomed at as well. So kind of helping them on that diversity journey and getting essentially more people into the building and really relifing the building, which is something I'm passionate about as well. Absolutely. Perhaps an obvious question, but why is good design important? So good design can be anything from graphic design to product to interior. Of course, I'm specifically an interior designer. So essentially what we do is we improve how a building could be might be used so the benefits might be spatial they might be aesthetic they might be functional they might be experiential but we essentially take a building and make it better and so we can from that perspective we can impact people on a daily basis we can impact the business operations of the way a business might use a building we can impact how you might psychologically feel in that space and we can also make the space just generally more efficient as well. Yeah, I wouldn't think of all those things if I was thinking about interior design. Isn't that funny? Yeah, look, um, I think most people associate interior design with something much softer, certainly kind of fabrics and furniture selection and colours and those things. And certainly we that all goes into any part of um, a building design, both as outside when an architect's building a building or the inside when an interior designer might be refurbishing it. But it's much more than that because the space plan and how you actually arrange the inside of a building can have significant impact on how that building might be used. Sure. And how do you keep up with trends? Or are trends even important? Yeah, I was just going to say we don't like the word trends. Ah! What word do you you like? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I equate it to fast fashion in the fashion, the clothing fashion industry. I think that um, keeping up with trends in interior design and architecture is not an inherently sustainable way to work. So we're trusted to use an enormous amount of resources in our day-to-day work. Uh, And the construction industry on its own uses a huge amount of resources from our planet and on behalf of our planet. And we want to be beyond fashion, really, so that we can create things that have a much longer lifespan. And then if we're using timber or we're using stone, we're using it in a way that is not wasteful because they're natural resources and I think it's really important to respect the responsibility that comes with that. Yeah, and that is that is what sets you apart, which we haven't touched on. I want to ask one more question, but I might want to go back to that. What are some of the things that you've learnt running your business that you didn't realise before? So some lessons for others in business. Yeah, I, I think I didn't realise that I know how to do stuff. Um, yeah yeah because I tend to I really enjoy the when I say I like building teams I really enjoy um, working with really smart people and one of the reasons I liked working in the bigger practices is I really liked being surrounded by that kind of a lot of smart people a lot of really talented creative people and I think the nature of that means that you sometimes don't necessarily understand that you can trust your own instincts as well And because I'd never run a business before, I just assumed I didn't actually know how to. But I have worked in business for a really long time 
And so I'd learnt through that process, actually, I had the instincts for how to do things and I am by, by nature a learner so I think and a, and a problem solver. And so I think by trusting my instincts and trusting that I can figure it out and that I can find the answer or I can find the person that has the answer, I think the running of a business and the building of a business and that kind of day-to-day is much less overwhelming than I thought it would be. So it's that trust your instincts bit and kind of trust your own knowledge as well. Yeah. Tell me, I know because I have worked with you, but what sets you apart from other businesses? Oh, if you know what sets me apart from the other businesses, I would love for you to tell me that, Emma, because (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently working on a branding strategy and that would be really helpful. (laughs) It's funny that you say that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think we have a very strong focus on integrity and sustainability that I think I naively thought everybody did because I do honestly believe that everybody should. And so I just naively assumed that everybody had that way of working. Part of the reason for that might be that I've also taught in the university world for a long time as well. So I was teaching for nearly 20 years in the design faculty and design and built environment faculty. And because sustainability is such a strong focus there, I think I'd always just inherently believed that it was everywhere. And I think the reason why it maybe isn't necessarily is because it's really hard to build sustainably. Yeah. I was going to ask what it actually looks like. Yeah. Well, we're not necessarily perfect at it, but I think it's one of those areas in in our world, in our daily lives, in everybody's daily lives, where I think doing something is better than being perfect at it. And you've got to try and you've got to learn and you've got to kind of give it a go each time. So the way we work with that is we have a few main principles of the way we choose materials. Construction uses a lot of materials. So that's kind of finishes like the finishes you might put on floors or joinery, kitchen benches, walls, whatever. Um, It's furniture. It's all of those things. And so the way we select those elements is really important from a sustainability perspective. Furniture, we are working to be 100% Australian sourced. And we know that that's not necessarily possible because a lot of furniture and product makers in Australia might still be importing some of the things that go into their products. That's okay. We're giving it a go. We're specifying 100% Australian designed and 100% Australian sourced and both of those separate criteria are important for us. And then each time we select a new finish or element, we're really thinking about its impact in the long term. So does it have recycled content? Can it? Is it possible for it to have recycled content? And then at the end of its life, so demolition happens, things age out, things have to be changed, what happens to that product at the end, is it able to be recycled? Is it going to live for the next 500 years in landfill? Is there an element of circular economy we could bring into it? So can it be repurposed in another project for someone else? Those kinds of things. So we're asking ourselves those questions on every project. I don't think we're necessarily getting it right all the time, but um, I think that asking the questions is is our responsibility right now. Yeah, absolutely. There is something else that I feel that sets you apart, which you haven't really touched on, which is about the people element or your people philosophy, I suppose we could call it, because you're very passionate about people in your business. Can you talk to us about that? 
Yeah, so I've got there's five of us in my business at the moment. We are we're all women, five women. That's partly the nature of being an interior designer as well, because it's I think I think the current percentage is seventy six percent women in interior design. And I'm very passionate about supporting people through their journey, about kind of talking, working with people on their whole of career. So particularly our grads, we do have conversations about what they might want to do when they grow up as a way of talking about it, whether that's with us forever or whether that's taking going in a different direction in different country, companies or even countries. My way of thinking about it is that I might be able to help them do that. And if we talk together about it, then I'll get notice if they decide they want to leave and move on to some someone as well, right? So I can help them do that. And I think there's a karma element of that comes back to you as well. And I believe in flexible work. I always have. I Most of my career, um, most of the, I guess, the big part of my career, I was a um, single parent. And so I think I have an innate understanding of what of what it takes to do all of the things in your life. And the true flexible working and the true hybrid working, I think, is about running with the ebbs and flows. Some weeks you might do a few more hours because you're inspired or you have more time and then other weeks just family might blow up and it just might not work. But typically I think if we all work in together and we all muck in together, then we tend to get there in the end. And that's the way we tend to work together and I think – that has longevity and sustainability in it in a way that just caning people for whatever you can get out of them is just never going to. Yeah. And I think part of me is laughing at you because I'm sitting here thinking you're thinking this is just common sense, but I can tell you that it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And that not everyone works that way, right? So uh, if you're listening and you've got a business and you're thinking, all right, how do we keep staff? Because staff at the moment, staffing is a nightmare to try and grab. So your best chance is to retain staff but nurture them in a way that makes them want to stay, really. Well, yeah, and also... If you do that, then actually hiring's easy because the word on the street is that you're nice to work for. So I think that counts too. And, I mean, I do think I've got an, a benefit in hiring as well because I taught at university for so long. So I've got a, a really lovely group of people in the industry who are very supportive and our network's pretty tight. So once you kind of put something out to the network, you tend to – someone amazing tends to walk through the door and that's certainly been my experience in the last couple of years. So the team, again, I mean, I've got four amazing women working for me. They're all phenomenally smart, super talented, keen to learn, all of those things. So I'm really lucky actually that they want to work with me as opposed to the other way around, I would have thought. Luck comes with hard work, just saying, rather than <laughs> you know, true. just being lucky. <laughs> What's the future for Studio Spillane? It's an interesting question. I think that's always an interesting question. In in the world we live in, because we um, we work in a project-centric industry, you never really completely know what's around the corner, um, which is part of the excitement of it because I don't know who's going to call tomorrow with an amazing project for us to work on. But at the same time, you get a sense of what the patterns are. So I really like the type of work that we work in. Anything from a restaurant to an airport is pretty great. Like you get, we get to work on places where people visit for holidays or they visit for entertainment or they visit fun or in the restaurant space they might, you know, have engagements there or weddings or even proposals, uh, those kinds of places of celebration. So I want to keep working in those places where there are people 
I love that and where we can impact people's lives. And at the same time, we really want to keep working and the whole team really wants to keep working on this in the sustainability space to really figure out where we can get to and how we can kind of really impact the projects and the clients we're working with because we want to, not because we have to. And um, if we can take our clients on the journey, on that journey as well, then ultimately they'll inherently get end up with a product that they can openly tell their community is good for the planet as well, which I think in the, in the world we're living in right now is good for all of the brands. Everyone wants to market sustainability, so I think we can help them do that. Yeah. I think it's really inspiring that your work stopped on the 20th of March in 2020 and here we are in 2023 and for my audience, Angela is very humble <laughs> and an absolute worker and you have done some amazing things with your business, holding on to your staff and the projects that you've got going on. And the business is going from strength to strength. So I think that can't be underestimated when you started six months before COVID hit, you know, like there's there's something in that to say you've got some super grit and resilience in there. Yeah, yeah, look, that's true. I think resilience doesn't hurt ever, does it? That's always going to help. But look, I'm not scared of hard work. And I think one of the reasons why I started the business is because, like I said, I like to be hands-on. So, yeah, diving on in, that's what I like to do, diving on in and figuring it out. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. It's been really inspiring to hear your journey and also see the impact that you're trying to have around sustainability and people as well. And I think the business, the beautiful business that you've built is just going to keep growing and I can't wait to watch it unfold. Thanks, Emma. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Tea with the Queen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out. For more about me, please visit emmamcqueen.com.au and I look forward to your company next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.